Coming up this week, off screen. It's the night he comes home again in Halloween. We get a second round of goosebumps. Forget Batman, we meet Dogman. We pop on down to the science fair. And we spend an evening with Beverly Loughlin. All those to come and more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. The latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Ben Connor. I'm Kelly Needham. So, Miss Needham, we're back another round, another week of uh, filmic fun. Lucky you. You've been to the pictures this week, haven't you? I certainly have. What did you go and see? Because you did text me, and I can't remember what we. Were... A Star Is Born. It was A Star Is Born. It was. Did you love? I'm broken. <laughs> Seriously, I like I I. I needed a good half hour to go over that. And you're not really the mushy kind, I would oh, say. Oh, you know, I've got a bit of mush in me, but whoa. That, yes. That caught me. All the feels. All the feels. All the feels. <laughs> okay, so before we get to uh, all of our usual fun this week, mm-hmm. all of the reviews, the box office top five, and, and well, just all the general banter that we love to share. With all everyone. the bants. All the bants. Um, we need some film news to kick us off this week. What do you got for me then? Well, I, I want to ask you about Sean Bean. I love Sean Bean. He dies a lot, though. Well, that's kind of the point. So <laughs> I hear a rumour that the new that Hitman game... Well, that's his point. Yeah. But the new Hitman game is going to take full advantage of this thing. Yes. So, OK, Hitman 2, I think it is. Yes. Coming out soon. Uh, I'm not sure about it. It's, if it's a reboot or anything like that. I don't... I, I'm not up to date on video games, to be me honest. Me neither. I'm Please, not. look who you're talking like, to. Like, there was a new Tomb Raider game out recently, and I, it took me a while to figure out that was the third one in the series of the only one I've played. I only so. just realised that Wii's aren't a thing anymore. But they're not a thing anymore, no, no. Now it was the, the Wii U, and now it's the, the Switch. So you're, sure. you're two consoles behind. Yeah, I pride myself on it. Uh, the idea with this new Hitman thing, I think, is that they're doing this interactive uh, DLC, downloadable content kind of thing that all games mm. do now. And they're going to have this thing called Elusive Targets, and these are limited-time games that you'll be able to play, missions that you can only have access to for, say, two weeks a year, of, right. you know, next year or something like that. And uh, within one of these games, they have announced that uh, the target will be Sean Bean. Oh, I see. I get it now. Yeah. So he's, because he dies a lot, now lots of people are going to be killing him. Now lots of people are going to kill Sean Bean. Yeah, of right. Why not? <laughs> right. The idea is that they insert him into the the, the maps of the existing game that you've got. So basically you sort of repeat a level, but your target is Sean Bean. And mm. if you don't manage to kill him, you lose and you can never play again. And you're a walking wiener coat. That's it. According to, <laughs> according to the rules of Sean Bean, he's a walking walking wiener coat. Was yeah, that, okay. that was it from Pixels. Honestly, I'd never get over it. You're walking wiener coat. <laughs> that is not a thing. That's not quite Frey Bentos enough. For it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, before we get to the first review, then this week, uh, let's plug podcast edition because it goes out everywhere now. So Spotify, we got Spotify. we got we got see on Spotify, Deezer. Acast, uh, Stitcher, that's a thing. Apple, Apple Podcast. Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, McDonald's Podcasts, I'm sure. At some point, <laughs> Starbucks Podcasts. Amazon must have podcasts by now. I'm sure they will. If there's a podcast platform, they usually siphon off the same feed. So we're on all of them, realistically. Lucky for everyone. It's not bad, but I like that we're on Spotify. I heard us on Spotify earlier when I was checking if it was actually a thing that was actually working. How good did I sound? And uh, we sounded not bad. I did not say we. 
I said me. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you sounded fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, (laughs) plus, moment of cage. Moment of cage was amazing last week, (laughs) and moment of cage is on every podcast edition. Uh, You get everything after the end credits. You get uh, more film news, more reviews that you couldn't fit into the radio edit, but you get that moment of cage. And that's the important part. That's the important part. It was last week. It was a minute and twenty seconds of Nicolas Cage screaming, and I listened to every second of it. <laughs> I've got you on for my favourite Cage movies. This week, <laughs> I look. I'll, I'll to just it. say Brian De Palma. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, also the idents we play in this show, our little jingle themes that we play at ad breaks and things like that. Uh, Tweet us at Movie Marker. Name all three themes. Uh, just put hashtag off-screen themes or off-screen idents at the end. We'll figure it out. We'll find it. And if you get all three right, uh, you get a DVD at the end of the month. So and it's a mystery DVD. It's a mystery DVD. That. If it's honestly. gonna be like a Mister Men DVD or something, we don't know. It could be. It, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. It could be. It could be the 2006 action film DOA Dead or Alive, starring <gasps> Holly Valance. You don't know. I can only hope. We can all dream. We can all dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of dreams, our first review of this week. Tell me about Right, so for two years I have dreamt of a sequel to Goosebumps. <gasps> you know me, Goosebumps. I... Goosebumps. You know I love Goosebumps. I'm a big fan of... Not, not so much the series, but I loved that movie. I loved the series too. I, it bypassed me a little bit, because obviously you, you're a couple of years younger than me, so I think it was more How targeted... dare you, sir? I'm a good your, ten years younger than you. A, t- a decade, clearly. <laughs> but I think it was more aimed specifically at your age yes. bracket, so it bypassed me ever so slightly. It's like that, are you afraid of the dark? It kind of, same kind of thing. And uh, obviously it came back, the, this horror novel series sort of came back to uh, to franchise form two years ago yeah. in the form of this Jack Black-led movie that basically turned it all into a great big meta text. So Ghostbumps Very was smart. a work of fiction, yes. but we were just going to go Jumanji with it. Exactly. Which was brilliant. And I remember when it came out and I said, this is brilliant. This is this generation's Jumanji. How little did I know that less than a year later... I would be sat in the same screening room. Watching two manji. Watching, watching two manji. Welcome <laughs> to the jungle, which should have been its title. Starring the lead from Goosebumps, that generation's Jumanji. Imagine my surprise then again when we get a sequel to Goosebumps. Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, starring... The younger human iteration of Jack Black from Tumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, really? Yes. And because they've not really kept much of a, a secret about Jack Black returning, that means both Bethany's are in this. Two Bethany's. Two Bethany's for your book, yo. So two black, two Bethany. That's what two it is. Two black, two Bethany. <laughs> so what's the what's the story? Right. So the premise this time is this takes place in a small town in which uh, in which R. L. Stein comes from. R. L. Stein spent his first sort of you know fifteen years in this small town. Mm-hmm. Happened to be when Nikola Tesla had you know decades earlier he'd gone and formed a giant a giant machine, some revolutionary machine as part of his current war uh-huh. with uh, yeah, which is going to be a whole other movie starring Michael Shannon and Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and this thing never got switched on, and it sits there like a giant radio antenna over the town. Right. And in this town, you find uh, two bored teens, sort of tweens, kind of like 13, 14 kind of age. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is uh, the chubby young John Ritter from It, from the remake of It, Aww. Jeremy Ray Taylor. And the other kid is Khalil Harris, who was in something I remember, and I've forgotten now. Um, they are uh, trying to make ends meet in that sort of family movie style. They're trying to make a name for themselves, clearing junk from houses. Aww. You know, as you do when you're 13, 14. Yeah. Little do they know. leaves. Exactly. Washing cars. Exactly. Not in that fun Liv Tyler way. You know, yeah. one night McCall's way. But anyway, so... 
<laughs> I like when it's always sunny then. But uh, so one day they get uh, they get a house to clear, and it happens to be the former home of Mr. R. L. Stein, his childhood home, where they find a hidden door, and behind a hidden door they find a hidden book, and in this hidden book they find a never re- a never before seen manuscript for a never released Goosebumps tale called Haunted Halloween, and by accidentally opening it, as the first movie taught us, bad things will come out. Only this bad thing is slappy. <laughs> the killer ventriloquist dummy from the first movie who happens to sound an awful lot like R.L. Stein, I think we're led to believe, um, who only this time around seems to have learnt the error of his ways and now just wants to be part of a family. Aww. His adopted family with the kids who have uh, discovered him and he wants to make their lives better. And when they react badly, Slappy reacts badly. And when Slappy reacts badly, he goes and brings inanimate objects to life and this movie's taking place on Halloween, and here is Ken Jeong inflating a giant inflatable spider around his house. Halloween with pumpkins and mice. Halloween, it's so nice. Halloween faster, with faster. pumpkins and mice. Hey, Kathy, hey, kids. <laughs> Mr. Chu, wow, you've practically got a theme park here. Check this out. Oh my, oh, oh, it's like being in the movies. <laughs> I'm going to have these puppies up and running in no time. <laughs> you know, for the kids. <laughs> okay. All right, bye. He doesn't actually have kids, does he? No, he does not. You would think going into this film, given that like Jack Black isn't prominently on the marketing mm-hmm. and they've not made any real effort beyond Slappy, there's no real effort to sort of tie this into the first movie. When you actually get into it, what you get is something that's it's not quite the surprisingly surprisingly intricate sequel that something like Final Destination Two turned out to be because that looked yeah. like a movie that had nothing to do with yeah. the first one, and then it turned out actually it had everything to do with it, uh-huh. and that was kind of the weird success story of that series that they were found the sort of sneaky way to do that. Um, this plays closer, arguably, to Jumanji. Imagine that. I mean, in that way that Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle was a sequel to Jumanji, yeah. this is a sequel to Goosebumps. And as such, obviously Jack Black is not your main character. You're not going to get my boy Dylan Minnette turning up in oh, here. Shame. No, no Odea Rush. Uh, no Gillian uh, Bell. Yeah, well, None I'm of grateful the... for that. You don't like Gillian. You Bell, know how I feel. I know. I know. Okay, so this is the. I, I went into it thinking this has all the makings of a really slapdash put together sequel. Mm-hmm. This is Diary of a Wimpy Kid. The the long haul or whatever it is, yeah. Um, I came out pleasantly surprised. I thought yeah. it was actually a lot more fun and a lot more intricately intricately laid out to tie in with that first movie. Um, the events of that first movie, for instance, are are referenced, and of course Jack Black is in it, so there has to be a reason that he's in it, and mm-hmm. the reason is actually kind of fun. Um, it is worth saying he does he does get some time to shine. Both kids, I think, are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, oh man, I've actually almost forgotten her name. <laughs> the teen actress is Madison Eisman. Is because, uh, I, I Madison. Want, I want to call her Iceman. Madison Eisman, who is uh, <laughs> Bethany the Insta Girl in Jumanji yep. Two, yeah, yeah. Uh, and was also in Annabelle Three, apparently. Is I, she? I learned she's going to be in the next Annabelle movie, mm. which is we've got film news about that as well. Sweet. By the way, we'll get to that. Yeah, um, I think she makes for a pretty likable lead. There's a bit more depth to obviously for you know less comedic reasons than Jumanji because she was more of foil in that, whereas yeah. now she's more of a hero. Um, and you know, Slappy is just a fun character. 
in in that way though that that first movie had what I keep referring to as the goosebumps formula, which uh, Fantastic Beasts ripped off. The idea of just set things loose and go and catch them. Yeah. This plays almost more like child's play for kids. Ooh. So imagine Chucky in a family friendly movie. I would like to see that. Yeah, that's kind of what you get at times with this. And by the time it does all come together, what it does go for then is something more like Hocus Pocus. Okay. And I'm cool with that. I'm on board with that. I actually think they should keep this Goosebumps thing going, release a Goosebumps movie every three years, and in the meanwhile, just give us little Conjuring spin-off style movies about all the other Goosebumps characters. Because seriously, this is the family-friendly Conjuring universe. Nice. And I am so down with that. Jack Black's fun. I love Slappy to death. Uh, it seems like this apparently works if you swap out the entire cast otherwise in which case i'm great because this has got uh say ken jong's mm-hmm. in it um wendy mcclendon covey whose name i can never get right uh, <laughs> is in this pretty good sort of stock character as a sort of foiled mum. um and uh, last but not least chris parnell dr spaceman from 30 rock and jerry ah, from rick and morty nice <laughs> Jerry, uh, Jer- I know him more for his voice. It's such a distinctive voice. It, it is, and he does so much animation work as well. Yeah, and he's, he, he does have such a great voice. But he's fantastic in Thirty Rock. His name is Doctor Spichemin. Spichemin. Leo Spichemin. But Tracy Morgan refers to him as Doctor Spaceman. Yes, so, I remember. I need yeah. to rewatch Thirty Rock. Oh, so, so good. So good. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. It, this one's directed uh, not by uh, Rob Liedman, but uh, by uh, Ari Sandel, who made The Duff. Sweet. Yeah, and then followed up with the really awful when we first met or whatever it was with Adam Devine uh, and all the Netflix. The Dario. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's pretend that one didn't. Yeah, let's happen. not. But the Duff happened. The Duff was the awesome. The Duff was amazing. And this is awesome too. And it has something. It's a bit more Scooby Dooish than than the first one was. Uh-huh. In fact, that was the sequel I was expecting when I went into this. Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed. Which sucked. It really did. Uh, this did. This did not suck. This was awesome. I had a hell of a time with it. I laughed. I sat there on a Saturday morning on my own in the multiplex, laughing myself senseless through nice. this. There is a sequel to my favourite gag from the first movie. I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but yeah, you not. my very favourite gag from that first movie, which you could, I think, I actually mentioned, I actually mentioned the gag in the original Goosebumps review, but. That gag gets a sequel, and I was—I've never been happier. I really haven't. Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised to hear this yeah. because I really thought it was going to be a pile of yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. Uh, no, no, no. There's far, far worse films to come out this week. Um, Goosebumps, though. If you, Goosebumps two, Haunted Halloween. Check it out. I had so much fun with this. And if you even vaguely like the first movie, you're going to definitely you're going to have equally a good time with this. Awesome. With the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, oh, don't forget, uh, tweet at Movie Marker with your three uh, identifications for our, our idents for this week. A mystery DVD. Uh, I'm a mystery DVD. We don't know. It might be Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. We don't know. Well, <laughs> I'm sure movie? they're hoping for it now. At one point, that movie was called Scooby-2, like t And I, I really loved that title. I was going to say, I, um, I enjoyed that. Yeah. But... Why did the movie people ruin everything? I don't know. Same reason it was called Fast and Furious 5 Rio Heist in this country. Was but, it? Uh, it was. Officially, that's what that film was called. Well, whatever. So, let's talk about something <laughs> a bit more off the beaten path, shall we? I want to know who Beverly Loughlin is and why are we spending an evening with her? Not her, him. Him? He is Craig Robinson. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. So, Beverly Loughlin, I think it's meant to be Loughlin, and, and they've, cha- they've sort of changed it as a stage name to Loughlin. Uh, L-U-F space L-I-N-N. Okay. Uh, Beverly Loughlin. He is 
despite the fact he's presented to us throughout this movie as some sort of stage magician, mm-hmm. he's actually a sort of folksy singer. Uh. Right. And uh, he's a folksy singer who, in preparation for his shows, does not speak a word so as to preserve his voice. So he communicates only in... Huh, 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 kind of noises. Man noises. Yeah, yeah, man no- pooping noises. Man pooping noises. Man pooping noises. Man pooping noises. Uh, right. So one day you have a coffee shop worker played by Aubrey Plaza who's married to her boss, Shane Danger. Shane Danger is played by Emile Hirsch. Emile Hirsch... What? Reality's answer to Vincent Chase seems to think he's Nicolas Cage now. Anyway, so Lulu, Aubrey Plaza's character, who is married to Shane Danger, reacts badly one night when Shane Danger decides he's going to go and rob Lulu's vegan cousin's shop and steal his cash box, mm-hmm. which is just a lockbox. Now, this is all staged, by the way, like it's taking place in 1973. Right. Right, with the style and noir... Uh, synth wave kind of sensibilities of not 73 sorry 83 wow uh, it's taking, synth yeah that's it's, not been it's done. not been done has it it's taking place in the modern day though right what <laughs> oh. wait for it wait okay. for it okay. it's just everyone just looks like it's 83 right. okay so um in the meanwhile uh the vegan guy hires uh hires a professional to go and steal his cash box back from shane danger vegan guy is jermaine uh-huh. clement from uh, uh Flight of the Concords. Thank you. I was going to say the Mighty Birds then. I was like... The Mighty Birds. I was like, Mighty Boosh and Concords makes Mighty Birds. Anyway, um, <laughs> right. So, uh, Jermaine Clement is hired to go and retrieve the cash box. He winds up running off with Lulu. Lulu seconds him away to a remote hotel where she, dis- you know, having discovered that an evening with Beverly Lynn, a limited musical performance, is to take place there one evening. She has something of a mysterious past with Mr. Lynn. Meanwhile, the professional slash hitman begins to develop feelings for her. She doesn't reciprocate. And this all comes to us from the director of Greasy Strangler. So here's a clip. Good evening. I'm the captain. What can I get you folks? I would like a rumble in the heather. And I'll have a rum and a ramble. Come in up. You know, those might have poo on them. You don't want to get poo in your mouth, do you? Oh, no. No, we're not eating these poo nuts. There you go, ma'am. Here's your drink. There you go, sir. Thank you, Captain. And uh, let's get some fresh nuts, huh? Poo nuts. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Poo nuts. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Right, um... For the longest time, I couldn't figure out what the hell this was meant to be. I say, it comes from Jim Hosking, who, who brought us the Greasy Strangler last year, mm. which came with all sorts of hype around it and festival buzz, and you watched it, and it was just one of the just most despicable films I'd seen in a while. It was it was just a, a movie that was so smug and self-satisfied. Um, did you feel greasier than I the Greasy felt, Strangler? <laughs> yeah, I did. I actually felt that going through. I didn't laugh once. I didn't get any of its comedic sensibility. Now, to be fair, I didn't get the comedic sense of it. I felt exactly the same about this for the longest time I was watching it. Uh-huh. Then, I think something like about two-thirds of the way through, I actually finally landed, I think, on what the film is meant to be. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously it intends to be as bad as it is, but it seems kind of self-satisfied in itself that it is as bad as it is. Okay. Beyond that, it's pretty much a standard excess baggage-like kind of a story. Uh-huh. Girl runs off with criminal who she's playing to her advantage. 
uh, relationship between them forms or doesn't form yeah. accordingly. The problem is none of it's funny, none of it's likeable. It's all... I mean, Jim Hoskin can clearly shoot a film. It's evident that he can. Mm-hmm. But I think writing it is something he should not be allowed to do. He doesn't seem to, to grasp that for all the, the narrative threads he's chucking out, all these character arcs that he sets up, he needs to kind of do something with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aubrey Plaza throughout this is just consistently better than the material. And the performance she gives you is infinitely better than what we present what what she's been presented with it's i mean it's a real Paul Stoltzkin situation i mean she is turning crap into gold but it's it's still gold crap um <laughs> you can only uh, roll the turd in glitter as they uh, say exactly I and mean, by the time you get to the end of it you think oh, this has just been unflinchingly bad but i have to kind of begrudgingly respect how committed it has been to how being bad. unwavering it has been in nailing what has to be the weirdest most offbeat awkward tone anyone's tried to commit to film since uh, incidentally, the, this director's last actual film. This tone at least connects marginally more than Greasy Strangler, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's any better. It sounds horrific. It is horrific. Don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to get a mainstream release? This does not sound like it is. It is because Greasy Strangler was a hit, man. It was. You should be ashamed. Well, not a hit, but it was, it was one of those... Yeah, it was a buzzy little sleeper thing, wasn't it? It made a couple mil, you know, in, in midnight screenings and things. As Whatever. these things are wont to do. Indeed. Yes. Well, it sounds right. awful to me and I'm not going to watch it, so there we go. Okay, quick bit of film news before we get, to, uh, before we get to Dogman. And Dogman. Dogman. Pete Dogman. Pete Dogman. Um, right, so uh, we were talking about... Uh, Annabelle. Annabelle, yes, we were talking about Annabelle. Um, so the Warrens are coming back. So we're getting Yay! Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmia back for Annabelle 3. Yay! Which is going to follow their daughter as the central character, who's now going to be a teenager and is threatened ah, by the Annabelle spirit. she was messing with the doll at the end of Conjuring. Exactly. So the hmm. only question is then, what's Conjuring 3 going to be about? Because Annabelle 3 will take place in the future of Conjuring 2. Uh-huh. So, you know, after the events of Conjuring 2, so... I kind of want Conjuring 3 to just go somewhere else. Like, I'm, I'm sick what, of the 90s? old... Yep. Set the 90s. Sure. <laughs> I'm sick of, like, the current characters that they've introduced, and yeah. I don't want them to have Annabelle in it, and I don't want them to have the nun in it. And, and, and the skinny know, man. Or the, the skinny old... Skinny, who the, is it Slenderman? Not Slenderman. Slenderman. That'd be a new one. But, yeah, uh, what's he called? Oh, I don't know. Skinny old man. Yeah, I, I don't remember Something anymore. Like that. Yeah, but I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's coming. So, oh, that's also going to be Gary Dauberman's directorial debut. I have learned he's written all of the spin-offs for the stuff. Okay, um, that's why they have been so patchy. I'm quite surprised that they're bringing the Warrens into the Annabelle spin-off because then you kind of do think, what's the point in it being a spin-off? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like. Why does Chad Kroger need to go solo if he sounds exactly the same with a full band? It makes no sense. <laughs> just, just stop singing, Chad. <laughs> just, just, just knock it off, Chad. Knock it knock off. Knock it Chad. off. That's <laughs> enough. Tell Avs we said hey. <laughs> right, so, um, right, Dogman. Pete Dogman. <laughs> Pete Tell Dogman. Me. Dogman, which is not a superhero Dogman. movie. Oh, you're joking. No, it's not. It's not. No, no, no I did that intentionally because it's just because everyone's going to assume this is a superhero movie. I'm I can, really disappointed. I, I can practically hear Nigel Andrews, like his voice in my head saying, Oh, Dogman, not another one of these silly superhero things. I'm going to have to get Van to explain this to me again. Yeah. 
So that's, that's what I hear every time I think of Dogman. Anyway, what is Dogman? Dogman is an Italian film. It is absolutely tremendous. Um, I'm not even going to sugarcoat that one. This, this is absolutely tremendous. So this is, um, this is from uh, director Matteo Garone. And it stars, I'm trying to remember his name, Marcello Fonte oh, and Eduardo Pesquet. Oh, my right, favourite. So, Marcello Fonte is, imaginatively enough, Marcello. And uh, Eduardo Pesquet is Simone. Um, now, the way this works is they live in a sort of waterfront council estate, it looks like. Tower mm-hmm. blocks and sort of inbuilt shops kind of thing. The kind of thing that in this country would be a council estate, but in Italy is still actually kept relatively you know, nice. Still looks beautiful. Still looks beautiful. Right. Um, so the idea is it is lauded over by this coked-up, seven-foot-tall, built-like-a-brick-oven uh, boxer, Simone. Ah. He just bullies everyone, just has his own way, tears your shop up, you're not allowed to say boo to him, just rides his motorcycle threateningly up and down the street. And Marcello, mm-hmm. who is the local dog man, which is to say dog sitter slash dog groomer, ah. uh, is bullied by Simone into, uh, into basically enabling him in a robbery. Um, Marcello okay. then takes the fall for robbery, and in the eyes, and because he's taken the fall for it, in the eyes of the community, he is cast out. When he's released, he's cast out. He's he's told to make his own way, and this leaves Marcello not only isolated from the community, but also from Simone, who has welched on the terms of their deal as well, and is left to Marcello to basically either gain his self worth, gain his respect within his self respect within the community, or take matters into his own hands. But what happens to the dogs? Right, actually, that and you'd imagine someone took them all home when he gets taken away. But never mind. Okay, so <laughs> uh, if cruelty to dogs, by the way, is something that makes you win, stay stay the hell away from this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, just 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 don't. I uh, oh, I, I had fun with my dog trying to watch this movie. Um, oh, I bet know, that was fun. That was fun. You know what Lola's like. Uh, so absolutely terrific performance from Marcello Fento. Um, I think the the highlight here is is twofold. Matteo Garone um helming of this is tremendous with some gorgeous visuals and I'm not sure who the cinematographer is offhand absolutely terrific visuals in there the performances though specifically between uh, Pesquet and, and Marcello Fonte I think are absolutely outstanding particularly Marcello Fonte I think he's just an absolute revelation here this is it's the kind of performance because obviously the whole story is gearing up to that, that old nugget of the nerd who has to stand up to the bully yeah. if you boil it down it comes up to that idea it's fist fight yeah. You know, we saw this recently with, with Charlie Day doing it in Fist Fight. You know, it is that idea. But because it is a, a concept that simple, what you've got is a story that's at once timeless and archetypical and essential and gripping. You could make this set in any time period. You could have this as a Western. You could have the story as a Western. Mm-hmm. You could have this set as in an 1870s period piece. You could have this set on Wall Street. You could make any version of this movie in any language you wanted and the story would still hold. Mm-hmm. And really, the story ultimately, yes, you know, is always going to come down to well which way does it go does it go with option a for the ending or option b for the ending mm-hmm. and that and that's that's for you to discover when you see the movie don't wiki it <laughs> and i presume it's in italian and of course, it is of course in italian it does not matter that the story is so gripping that even if you're not a subtitled person you'll you'll love this mm-hmm. really really just check this out it is so good nice it is i i, I went into it expecting nothing i came out blown away and so. if you're expecting a superhero you will be disappointed exactly with the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, is it time for... Uh, is it the top five now? 
I think it might be. Number five. It's Smallfoot. I didn't like Smallfoot at all. Um, really? I really didn't. I thought it was like storks, only worse. But, uh, you know, people told me I'm wrong, and actually it's a great and deep film about fake news. But uh, <laughs> is, that, is that a layer that you didn't see? It's not really... I, I think that's reading a bit much into it. <laughs> Too much credit. I think that's giving it a bit... I don't really think this has got... Uh, certainly no much more... No, no more uh, narrative complexity than, for instance, The Croods. But... Uh, hey, football's important. Was that the one No, that was football? Early Man. Early Man uh. was about football. <laughs> early Man was actually just bizarre and kind of genius as a result. <laughs> but... Uh, because I had a little bit of Terry Gilliam to it, and you have to respect any movie that's got just a little Terry Gilliam in it. Yeah, if you say but, so. Uh, so, has anyone uh, tweeted us about... Uh, uh, about which one? Uh, Smallfoot. Smallfoot. Small I was going to say Early Man. Sorry, go on. Well, Haley's got something to say. So Haley's got something to say. Go on. Haley Ariel. Beautiful. Oh, yeah? She says, Smallfoot was really cute AF. Lol. I'm such a kid at heart. Number four. First Man. First Man, which is, do you know what? As, as NASA porn, it's terrific. Um, in terms of being a space simulator, it's second to none. It, this tops even Apollo 13 as the definitive man goes to space movie. Mm-hmm. As in, this is space travel. This is proper war for the moon space travel. You're like, yeah, this really gets that. This is one of those movies that's got every actor you can think of. You know those guys who, they're always about 45 now. Mm-hmm. And they always look like they come from the 60s. Yes. You know, like, um, uh, oh, oh, she- Shia Wiggum is one, for instance, from, from, from Kong Skull Island. He's one of the soldiers. Like, of course he was. Of course he was. Cause he had to be there. Ron Livingston. Of like course. that guy, you're like, of course he's in a movie set in the Ron 60s. Livingston is. Set in the 60s, he's got to be there. Is Corey, is Corey Stoll here? Of course, there's Corey Stoll. <laughs> For some reason, Corey Stoll is bald in this and he's playing Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin had like a full Burt Ward style head of hair. I remember you saying this last week, but you, you're asking the wrong person. Honestly, like yeah. space and stuff is not my bag. I'm... Yeah. Uh, the only problem is it's rubbish when it gets to telling you a human story mm. and when it tries to get into the emotional stuff because, frankly, the meat isn't there and trying to downplay it and low energy ball it and the way they do it just doesn't work for me it doesn't at all and you, what you want is something closer to you know what this, this should be this is a thriller man this is the story of the greatest achievement in human history come on give us, give us just some excitement you ask well yeah Kubrick obviously <laughs> <laughs> so has anyone tweeted well lucky for you Dr. Jeff has got something to say Dr. Jeff I love it so he's at Bishop Jeff DD. And he says, it's a great review this, I slept through First Man the other day. Greatest waste of a film I've ever witnessed. Or maybe not. And then he has a sleeping emoji. Okay. Ryan Gosling slept through it, so I did too. If you think I'm going to stay up and watch you while you sleep, you're cray. I think they were trying to romanticize deep space. Save your money. That's certainly a review. Number three. Johnny English. Yeah, I don't get this either. This, How is it still a thing? It's 2018, I, man. I, honestly, I just despair. Okay, well, I haven't seen it, so uh, let's cut straight to the tweet. Uh, Heather, at Scottish Heliza. Uh, after taking a day to mull it over, I can confirm reports that Johnny English Strikes Again is one of the funniest films of the year, if not the decade. Hashtag... Film critic. Okay, as a hashtag film critic, I'm just going to say, if it took you a day to mull that over, you probably shouldn't be a film critic. Number two. Venom. <laughs> Which is garbage. <laughs> the thing is, it's not bad enough to be stinking garbage, and you want it to be stinking garbage, because... Yeah. 
at least then you, you can, can have fun. You can have fun, can't you? Like yeah. you and I can sit and watch Catwoman and Green Lantern and poke fun at it. And oh, look how silly Ryan Reynolds looks in his little white pants. And then your eyes glaze over and go, "Yes, yeah, very silly." You know, we have fun. You know, <laughs> you know me too. Yeah, well. we have fun like that. Um, this is not one of those films. This is oh, just man. dull. It feels like it, it. In fact, at times it reminded me of Spawn. I think it might be because it feels like something from the nineteen nineties. And there's a black gooey dude in it, so it felt a bit like Spawn. Might as well be the same film. But well, Spawn is coming out again now, and Jamie Foxx is Spawn this time, and and I can't remember what the deal with that one is now. I have no idea. Someone else huge is in it, but yeah, Spawn's coming back anyway. Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of Venom. I take it someone's tweeted who probably loves it. Is that right? I may have to have a drink before I read this one, so get yourself ready and sit comfortably. Okay, cool. <clears throat> At Blackboy underscore TJ, I liked Venom. Wow. There's uh, what? What can we say to that? I like I like it when hot women punch me in the face and tell me I'm garbage. We all have weird things, man. Number one. <laughs> I still I, c- I don't even think I can say this title. It's, it's still got me. Go on. A star is born. A star is born and ri- risen to the top of the charts. It's so good, though, isn't it? It is so good. It is. It, it definitely got me. I didn't expect it to. I really no. thought it was gonna be all hype. I well, really I remember asking you about Lady Gaga last week because I know I mm. think she's a pretentious, you know. You fell in love with her, didn't you? I did. Yes, you did, because I did too. But then luckily, I watched an interview with her and Graham Norton with Bradley Cooper and I remembered. Oh, why yeah, I think you she's suck a as a person. Cat. Yeah, okay, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, I love it when you get those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you see, I had to like calm myself down from watching that film, so that really grounded me again. So you had all the feels. All the feels. They were breathing it's into amazing. The paper bag. Immediately downloaded the soundtrack of course yeah kept replaying it over and over I fell in love with bradley cooper it's amazing you have to go and see it that's that's absolutely fair that's absolutely fair um, so has anyone tweeted do they agree with you uh courtney and i i think we are we're kindred spirits here so right. at courtney emrod and uh, she says can anyone who's seen a star is born talk to me right now because i've just left the theater and i am not well i am not well that sounds that sounds pretty confirmed. That's about right. Okay, so um, <laughs> <laughs> should we just we're, we're pushed for time? So can I just launch into the next review? Please do. So the next film is uh, Science Fair, which mm. uh, well, I mean, it deals with not so much actual regular school science fairs, although they actually are a part of it. Do we? Do you have to have science fairs in this country? I don't think so. No, I no. never did. Oh, okay, okay. When I went to school, we, we, we did. They weren't as big as they are in here. It certainly seemed that uh, yeah, we, our school wasn't really huge on them. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so this is a 90-minute Nat Geo documentary. <laughs> well, I know, I know, but, say, National Geographic, but there's there's some heart and soul in this, so this is not like one of their, here's how bridges are made. Okay. You know, famous okay. bridges of the Yukon kind of documentaries. This is like <laughs> something, with, uh, there's a plot to this. Right, so this involves the International Science and Engineering Fair, or ICEF, mm-hmm. as it's called. And the idea is this is basically the Super Bowl for high school science nerds. Okay. And high school science nerds from all over the world basically ha- basically have to apply X Factor style, it would seem, with the project nice. to get in to even get the chance to compete in this fair. This fair is effectively a massive what's the best scientific creation by a young person this year. Is it full of exploding volcanoes? Oh no, quite the opposite. These guys literally come up with ways to cure cancer. Wow. Uh, I'll tell you what, here's a clip. I would say that a lot of people are jealous of me. 
On deadlines, I'm awful. I wait until the deadline to start working. I listen to trap music and classical music. Pass it up. Blast it up full volume. I actually don't listen to classical music that much. I just listen to mostly trap. You're not going to cure cancer, you're going to prevent cancer. Yes! If you're there just to win the prize, you're missing the point of science fiction. You enter into this new kind of world that I didn't even know kind of existed. It's one of the best weeks of my life, like every time I go there. Sounds a bit, uh, you know, Justin Kelly. This is how he made oh it. Oh, my it? God. Um, right, it, it's really sweet. and It, it does, sounds nauseating. It does sound nauseating. Actually, when you get into it, there's a really sweet story being told. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, there's, there's, one, there's one girl um, that, we get, that we were introduced to at one point who... You have to have an adult supervisor on staff at the school when you're mm-hmm. when you're competing in these things. Um, you know, like a, a, te- a teacher you can report to, yeah, and, and can handle sort of the admin side. And uh, because there's no teacher willing to help her, this girl goes to and, it's, and her school is almost entirely focused on athletics, right? And gives all the attention to you know the sports team, the jocks, the jocks. And it winds up being the high school coach who who takes her on as as the uh, the adult figure. Aww. And, is there, and he, as he says, I don't understand a word she says. Um, I'm just you know all it takes is me to be supportive, and she shows me stuff that just blows my mind. I don't get any of it, but I'm just there to be the adult. Aww. And you're like, okay, that's that's really sweet, and it is this wonderful story. And that's just one of them. Though every one of these kids comes with their own sort of again X Factor style backstory. But because we follow them in such depth and we get such a sort of unfiltered, very uh, very, uh, very close-up um, position with them, it, it feels quite heartfelt. It never feels particularly forced. Uh, I did come away from it learning stuff. Um, like what trap is. But like what trap is. But here's the thing. I consider myself, for instance, like I would consider myself to be generally uh, marginally above average in terms of stuff I know about science. Okay. Okay. I'm a little bit of a nerd. Largely because I I don't sleep an awful lot and I watch a lot of documentaries. So mm. you you pick up stuff, couple of bits, couple of bits here and there. Netflix mm. is a wealth of material, but I I sat there just drawing the floor through half of this stuff, being like, oh, what the what the hell is this stuff? Like honestly, there are concepts in here I'd never even heard of. Just and these are like you know high school kids, thirteen fourteen year old kids pitching mm. new ways to scan for cancer and ways to scan human emotions with a with a scanner on your forehead and. What? It's insane, the things these kids come up with. But there is this story underneath it all of we should appreciate our scientists. And yeah. ultimately it does kind of build to that point, which is very timely. Like, well, yeah, given the events of the last two years, this could not come at a better time. I agree. And it does feel like this has been put together as a, as a method of, look, schools like this that focus on purely on athletics and less on, on you know, the scientific mind, for instance. Because there are kids in here who don't get... Who, don't graduate high school and don't know how they're going to get into college mm-hmm. and the only way they're going to get in is by competing in this fair because merely to compete is a massive achievement yeah and it told. costs like a hundred thousand dollars to go to college in America well exactly yeah it, it's really so there's a great moment in which we're introduced to sort of three generations of winners of this contest and it's a really sweet sort of juxtaposition between are they them all wearing lab coats uh, no, no, they're not. Ooh. One man is so old, he's wearing tweed, though. And he's Excellent. the winner from something like 1938 or something. Aww. But, yeah, there's some really sweet stuff in it. It's, like, it's a 90-minute, really breezy, engaging and interesting documentary. And there's some great kids in here that y- you will see something from again. 
I mean, there was a 14-year-old girl in this in this movie who who we we wind up getting shown one one after run a, run a coding company. Oh, she runs a a, a thing teaching coding to uh, underprivileged underprivileged <laughs> teens. Oh, okay, that's cool. But, uh, there's a, a great sequence as well in which, as part of this conference, sort of starting up, which they have like a like a disco. They have like a little social, and of course, you're talking about kids ranging from like 13 to 17, mm-hmm. all of whom are massive science nerds. So, in a lot of cases, they've never been to one of these events before, and they're all put into an event together at the same time but for it's the first time. Silent, and it's, <laughs> it's just fun actually to witness. It, it, it's kind of sweet because because they do come alive. And seeing these young kids like come alive for the very first time that they're introduced yeah. to a massive room full of people like themselves. Yeah. That's, that is incredible. That's it, sweet. It is really sweet. And there's a the, the the guy, the trap guy doing his breakdance thing is something that oh my uh, God, I will that treasure. Amazing. I will treasure. I really will. <laughs> I think it sounds like this film's gonna be a gift for science teachers around the world oh, to God, play yes. when it gets to end of term. Yeah, and it's absolutely like... that. Yeah. Nauseatingly so. <laughs> yeah. But no, it really sweet though. I thought it was really great. I, I had a really good time watching it. It was. I just. I came away with a big smile on my face. To be honest, with the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen, the movie marker radio show and podcast. And we're back for one last ride, Miss Needham. Should we do some film news? Yes, film news is always good. What have you got for me? Talk to me about Aladdin. Oh, is this the thing about the dude getting stiffed? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. What's this all about? <laughs> so Terry Rossio, okay, mm-hmm. who was one of the co-writers of... Uh, well, co-writers of one of the drafts of Aladdin, the 1992, you know, original the Aladdin. Original. Animated. And co-wrote that with Ted Elliott, and the two of them would go on to co-write uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and... Uh, I think, was it Justice League? I think they did at one point. So maybe don't take credit for everything. But uh, he has revealed that, you know, with the uh, Aladdin teaser trailer coming out this last week for the live-action remake, Mm -hmm. um, well, obviously the only bits of dialogue in there reference heavily the original Disney animated film, rather than, you know, the classical story. As you would expect. Yeah, as you would expect. Same reason that Beauty and the Beast, for instance, borrows, you know, a lot from its own animated original. Turns out none of the writers of those animated originals are getting a penny for their work getting spun into a comp- and remade with live-action people. Somebody needs a new lawyer. Well, it's the Writers Guild of America. Apparently, they don't cover animated films. You're, you're not extended the same rights if you write an animated film as if you write a film for people. What? Yeah. That's so, ridiculous. the people who write the live-action adaptation of Beauty and the Beast, for instance... Mm-hmm. They have a legal recourse if Disney then makes another version and use their, uses their words. But the, the people original. who wrote the original animated one don't have a leg to stand on. That's pretty awful. That is pretty awful, isn't it? No. So, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's pretty crappy, not going to lie. Okay, so uh, Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween is upon us. And, uh, of course, there's, we've got to have a, a slasher movie for the year. Why not have a, a sequel to the original slasher movie? So yeah, Halloween. and it's pretty much Halloween. So Exactly. Yeah. So we've already got Haunted Halloween this week. And now we've just got Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> okay, so, which, is, which is actually Halloween 2, or is actually Halloween 2B, or if we're being technical, I think the fourth reboot now of Halloween. Sure. 
So, depending on who you ask... Depending on your definition and which ones you kind of liked and which ones you didn't. This this series has so many timelines and continuities, and it has more reboots than, like, Elna Shellstrop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to The Good Place. Shout out to The Good Place, which is back and awesome. Yes. I've seen that. Um, So this one is an alternative sequel to the original Halloween. Okay. The idea is this takes place 40 years to the day from the end of Halloween. Okay. Of original Halloween. Um, Moments after the end of the original movie, we are told Michael Myers was picked up down the street by, you know, a young cop who is now the sheriff of, I think it's still Haddonfield. Laurie Strode, the only survivor of that night, now yeah. lives in that way that Sidney Prescott did. You know, in the isolated house with the electronic gates. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, super the, security. The buzzer and the thing. Yeah. She has a big dog. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. I don't think she has a dog, actually. To be fair, in her no. shoes, I would do the same thing. You, you really would. It also then transpires that what has actually happened in all the in all the decades since the original Halloween, Laurie Strode has basically descended into full-blown Sarah Connor mode. She is mm-hmm. pure survival all the time. She had a daughter herself who she then raised in this environment. Again, kind of like Sarah Connor. There are a lot of parables mm-hmm. in this. There's a lot of Terminator 2 going on in Halloween slash Halloween 2. Um, her daughter has grown up to resent her in that way that John Connor does. She's then had a kid of her own who's the granddaughter who wants to be close to grandmother, uh, but mm-hmm. mum says scary things about her. And all this is happening right about the point that a pair of British true crime podcasters decide that they want, they want to construct a series around the events of Michael Myers. Uh-huh. This clip then transpires. Michael Myers is a human being who killed his sister when he was six years old. And he came after you. We just want to know why we want a glimpse inside his mind michael myers murdered five people and he's a human being we need to understand they're transferring him tomorrow seven o'clock yeah he'll be locked away until the end of his days that's the idea laurie we saw him we met with michael i showed him the mask it was nothing no response nothing He won't talk to anyone. Never has, but I think he might speak with you. Don't worry, it's not one of those movies. Although, actually, if she, you know, they had constructed the narrative whereby she did actually go and see him, confront him that way, might have been actually somewhat kind of more interesting than what they actually go with. Uh What they go with is very merely a standard prisoner bus escape. I was going to say, it's it's pretty much that. There's nothing, yeah, there's. Prisoner bus goes awry, he escapes, he's back on the loose, but this time she's got a gun. You know, that's cool. the movie. And to be fair, the Halloween movies have never particularly been narratively complex. And no, I think not really. If you're waiting until the fourth time they've rebooted this to try <clears> and hope for some sort of narrative complexity, you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, that's not what you go for Halloween you're for. You're not for anyway. What they have done, though, is they have seriously upped the nastiness factor. Um, it, to some extent, further than even Rob Zombie did with his attempt at this. Oh, wow. And what they've done is they've gone full-blown, R-rated, they've gone deep deeply cinematic they've lent hard on the theology and the the auteur on auteur dynamics of john carpenter and his his sensibilities that he brought to this which is now you know say 40 years and his 40 years okay yes we are sorry it took me a moment to work that out (laughs) 
I gave you that moment. It was Thank fun. you. But uh, yeah, it, it does have, it leans hard on the visual sensibilities of John Carpenter's original. It is reverent, but at the same time not beholden. Mm-hmm. It does like to take some leaps with it. And there's a great sequence, for instance, which is an unbroken single camera sequence. And it's in one of the trailers, you might have seen it, in which Michael Myers walks down a driveway and into a garage and he picks up a hammer and then he goes into the house and he goes into the kitchen and then he goes just out of shot and we see him swing for what we see is an old lady and it's all in one we don't, an old lady we don't see the actual we don't see him actually attack her we sort of see him going into it and the way in which this unbroken shot is constructed you just think it's this is wonderful this literally is the evolution of carpenter what you've done is you've taken where carpenter started and seen yeah. just where he would run with it if he were given this sort of budget he is a producer on it so he does have some input mm-hmm. this comes to us by uh, David Gordon Green directing and he has co-written it with Danny McBride of all people what? I know I know go figure but uh, yeah but you know what Carpenter's got a say in what's going on Carpenter's handling the music which might explain why the, why the Halloween music's never sounded better <laughs> and there's lots of old school nasty grisly chills in there there's some great mythology building there's a mm-hmm. neat moment in it in which it gives up on it, 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 in one ways, it's the in one way it's the worst, and in another way, it's the best moment of the film. Mm-hmm. There is a moment in which it takes a turn with its own tone and its own sort of real world sensibility, and it, it's 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 kind of the ultimate triumphant moment. You do think, okay, I'm going to go with it because this has all been so fun. But you know, if I'm, I'm going to be academic about it, you went from four star to three. But yeah, worth it. Worth it, I think, because I'm a fan of Halloween anyway. I don't, yeah. Are you a fan? Yes. I mean, I'm guessing... Not like, the sequels, apart from H2O. I was going to say, are you like me, where the first one you really got into, I think, was H2O? Yeah. Yeah. Like, back around that point that the faculty was big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, just learning behaviour. Things it like that. It just got me from the whole skate in the head thing. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, when I Joey mean... Gordon-Levitt's getting done in with an ice skate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so do I... you see him then? If they're talking about, oh, he's in prison and stuff. like. No, no, right, here's the thing. We do see sort of him. We don't see his face. Mm. We see his head. And we see his head from the side and at a very distinct angle. Yeah. But they've, they've angled it very specifically. And he is an older man. He is the same sort of age, maybe a decade older, I think he's meant to be, than... than uh, I know, he's, he's about... He's meant to be about the same age as Laurie, isn't he? I don't know. I think he'd be thereabouts. I don't know. I see him as this, like, mythical but, thing. Uh, I don't know. I want to point out, by the way, right? there is a character in, and it only ever comes up in horror comedies, and I love this, and it's always a black character mm-hmm. who has to be the rational person in a movie, in a horror movie, who just says, you know, screw this, and runs away the minute <laughs> the minute they see the maniac, right? You know that guy? Yes. You know his scary movie when they've got the, the reporters and he gets yeah, them on some yeah. He's like, so my people are dead, we're getting out of here. Yeah. And they jump in a car and drive away. Right, there is a character like that in this movie. He might be the best version of that to date. Nice. He, he absolutely is. He absolutely steals this film in what has to be its signature comedic moment. Uh, Laurie Strode, though, Jamie Lee Curtis is still the absolute scream queen. Um, it is worth seeing. If you're a fan or you just want a good old-fashioned slasher movie. I was going to say, though, is this the kind of film that anyone could go and see, whether you've seen Halloween or not? There's enough sort of mythology referencing in it. I mean, it does only reference one movie. Mm-hmm. They've done away with all the sequels. Yeah, they all like, didn't happen. They've, they, she's not she's not his sister anymore. Yeah. You know, because that's a creation of the second movie. So, you know, let's let's not dwell on that one. They actually bring that up as a meta joke at one point. Okay. But it is exactly the movie you think this is going to be. Maybe nice. Maybe about 10% nastier. So, Sweet. Yeah. yeah. 
Alas, though, I'm not giving it film of the week. What's going to get it, then? Dogman. Dogman. Dogman, absolutely, is film of this week. I want to see that again. That was awesome. Like, seriously, I recommend you watch it. It's so good. Like, if you want to just a good... If you want to feel hybrid, you're watching a foreign film, then. I was going to say, am I going to see this in, in a cinema... Or, you know, kind of multiplex, or am I going to have to go to those special ones that are a bit more highbrow? An art housey one, yes. I think. An art housey cinema, definitely. But, uh, or, you know, a cine world may have one screen showing it. I don't know. It's worth looking it up. Worth looking it up. It is, it is worth seeing, I would say. Excellent. What about next week then? What's coming up? So, next week, interesting week ahead, we've got, well, the biggie next week, to be honest with you, is it's going to be hard to uh, to avoid any other publicity on this one. Bohemian Rhapsody is next Is that week. next week? That is next week. Oh. That is in cinemas Wednesday the 24th. Amazing. Next week. I can't wait for that. That really could be just... I've told you, you need to shave off the beard. Sha- keep shave the off moustache. the chin. Just the chin. Keep the stash. Off the chin. Yeah. Keep the stash. Uh, we've also got Utoya July 22, which is obviously in reference to the terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. Was it 2011? We had uh, 22 July recently on Netflix. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Uh, we've got The Guilty. We've got the reissue of Beetlejuice next week. No way! 30 years, baby. Awesome. Yeah, 30 years. Uh, we've got Bad Reputation, which is, the, I think, the Joan Jett documentary. Okay. Next week, uh, Magic Medicine documentary about magic mushrooms and their health <laughs> benefits. <laughs> but that's a real trip. I know. But we've um, got an artist eyes, and we've got a movie that intrigued. Just the poster for this intrigued the hell out of me at Fright mm-hmm. Fest this year. Possum is next week. Possum, and this apparently is just nasty. Sounds like my kind of film. So yeah, so that sounds like uh, one we can enjoy. And we will enjoy that together, Kel, you and I. Yeah. So in the meanwhile, this has been Candy Store Production for uh, for Movie Market. I've been Van Connor. I've been Kelly Needham. And we shall be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews, and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast extras. So, we've got some fun to have. Um, oh, oh. There's, there, I don't know if you've heard about this. Warner Brothers are setting themselves up with uh, a nice new little uh, kind of animation-based franchise. Okay. Right. Yeah, because Warner Brothers have historically had such wonderful experience with franchises. Yeah, they're um, really good at it. They're really... Actually, this is the weird thing. You know what? When you sit and you look at it on balance, Warner Brothers are really good with franchises. All right, convince me. Right. They're just really bad at one of their <laughs> franchises. Okay. Okay? Right. So hear me out on this one. Consider what Warner Brothers currently has, like, franchise-wise, under its docket. It's more than you think. No, you're going to have to tell me. Okay, right. So presently, you know, they have their Lego franchise. You know, that makes a good chunk of change every time they put one out. Yeah. Yeah. They've got... Oh, yeah, they had the Ninjago, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. They've got got Lego Movie 2s next, isn't it? Chris Pratt back? Uh, yeah, Chris Pratt. Oh, that's the yeah. sequel to... That's the one with the Duplo aliens or something, I think. Okay. All right, so you know, you've got your Lego franchise. You've mm. got your Harry Potter franchise, which is now revitalised and shows no signs of going away. And when this current iteration of it is done, well, you know what? There's always two movies to make out of The Cursed Child, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, it's going to happen. And then, and then by fair. the time you've got there, you know, I'm sure Joe's going to have chucked out a few more books or lithographs or monogrammed, uh, you know, beer mats or something <laughs> that you can base some material on. So Harry Potter... Potter, chuck a win in there. And then there's the conjuring, isn't there? Con- Is that? Conjuring's ah. not conjuring's not gonna go away, is it? I Think keep forgetting it. that's one of us. You can keep that going for ten years, of course you can, why not? 
Yeah, well, uh, give up go. on the Annabelles, though. You know, but this move is the thing, on. Because that's the way, that's where it makes its meat, isn't it? In the little, yeah, in the little spin-offs. Right, and then, and then, of course, you know, there's, there's whatever you do with DC. <sighs> right, so, you know, one out of four isn't working, but the other three are making serious bank. I guess so. Right, yeah. so, of course, you've got to negate your losses. So let's make more franchises. Mm-hmm. What happens, though, if you own loads of franchises that simply aren't having anything done with them? You just revitalise them, right? Okay. Sure. <laughs> so, this is where it gets bonkers. So, they've got three films going out. You know, like, Space Jam 2 has been rumoured for a long, long time. Right? Oh, yeah, we're getting <clears> that. What, what's the guy called? LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. And he was excellent in Trainwreck. He was, wasn't he? Was, yeah. He was He was quite good. I didn't expect anything from him Me in Trainwreck. Me neither. Trainwreck? Trainwreck. Yeah. He but, was probably uh, the best character in it, to be fair. But I, I don't know, actually. I really like Amy Schumer for most of that movie. Nah, he was better. No, because in 2014 I could absolutely have related to Amy Schumer in, in that movie. <laughs> but, okay, no, anyway, so... Right. That's your own problems, then. <laughs> yeah, sorry, leave, leave it at home, leave it at home. <laughs> right, okay, so um, what they've done is they, they've looked at the brands they have mm-hmm. over at Warner and what they got that's sitting in the vaults having nothing done with them. What they got? Right, they've got that Space Jam thing coming, right? Space Jam's been wheeled out of the vault. Yeah. Of course, though... What are the components of Space Jam? Think about it. They've got Looney Tunes characters. Mm-hmm. They've got animated characters. Why mm-hmm. not simply delve into those? So they've decided, Scooby-Doo, that's happening. Scooby-Doo. No. Chris, Chris Columbus, who brought us, you know, Home Alone, things yeah, like that. Yeah. And Dash did some of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, he's yeah, going to be the creative... Over. Yeah, he did. He, well, he did the first two. And then they... Then... I thought he did the third... Well, no, he confused. did the first two. And then it was uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Ah. Before he did Gravity. And then... Forget who it was. For I need to go back on one. the Warner Brothers tour. Clearly, it was, it was just David Yates from Number Five onwards, and then it's just been him ever since. I think. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Chris Columbus is going to be the creative, uh, creative producer of a live-action CG hybrid Scooby-Doo movie. So because oh, it went happening. so well last time. How dare you? That first movie is a goddamn gem. I'm talking about the second one. Okay, the second know one it. is a travesty. <laughs> the second one is all right. Yes, I enjoy Velma in the the, the orange cat suit a bit too much. I'm not going to lie. But it's so predictable. I know, I know. I have a type. I really do. You anyway, do. anyway. So shout out to your girlfriend. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> so you know, the first movie though is really good, and also James Gunn wrote an amazing script for that. Apparently, he did write the second though, which makes me like him less. But uh, you know, still. That's ha- why you got fired. No, no. Hashtag hashtag rehired James Gunn. <laughs> but uh, we're all behind you, James. Please make Suicide Squad brilliant. Anyway, so yeah, Chris Columbus going to produce that. And then they've got Tim Story, right? The director of uh, Think Like a Man and Ride Along. Okay. Okay. He's going to direct a Tom and Jerry live action CG hybrid movie. No. And these three films are going to form this sort of animated uh, animated wing of live action animation revival. Do it. They're just going to ruin Tom and Jerry. I, well, no, I, I... Have you seen the Smurfs? Well, I know I, you have. I, you know I have. Also, I'm not going to lie, I think 1993's Tom and Jerry the movie kind of did that already. I've blocked it out of existence. Really? That, that movie, never happened. When they discover that they can each talk. It never happened. God, that movie sucked. That's why it never happened. Yeah, my sister had that on so many times <laughs> that year. It was, I always wanted to watch Robin Hood Men in Tights, and she always wanted nice. to watch Tom and Jerry the movie. No accounting for taste. No accounting for taste. Yeah, so Warner Brothers are uh, bolstering their franchises. Uh, if you want the honest truth, I, I honestly think Scooby-Doo could be, could be a win. 
Could be. Space Jam will kill. Space, oh, Space Jam. Will, Jam. Space Jam I'm, will make I'm all the money. Seeing that on opening night. You are, aren't you? Like, yeah. Oh, let's be real. Let, let's be really honest. Like, opening night, you and I will get steaming drunk. Go down there in basketball jerseys and. Obviously. Yeah, totally. That's clear. No underwear. Clearly, what's going to happen? The big oversized shorts. <laughs> yep. And the yeah the, the yeah the full size. Yeah, we'll do that. The Bill Murray headband. <laughs> exactly. Mm. <laughs> oh, I love Space Jam. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, we do. I'm like, okay, it's been done before, and I enjoyed that first could, one. Could work though, but, but I do think but Tom, Tom and Jerry. And that's a gamble. That's a gamble, mate. Uh, it, it could work. Thing is, it's these, not going to work. The live action CG hybrid thing with old cartoons has really mixed results. Mm. And to be honest, more often than not, they are bad. I yeah, mean, they are. I mean, does that, did anyone see Yogi Bear? Did you ever see that? Oh, no, 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 no. Didn't that start Tom Cavanaugh from The Wasn't Flash? Anna Faris in that? Am I, I making that up? I think she was. I feel like she was. I, I feel like that's a thing that happened. And then yeah. there's ones like, oh, uh, Woody Garfield. Woodpecker? Garfield, obviously, yeah, Garfield, which was successful enough to get a sequel. <sighs> you know, and then... Uh, I'm Alvin and yeah. the Chipmunks. Yeah, yeah. There's about 50 of them, isn't there? Uh, I think it's... The Squeakle, the... Squeakle, Chipwrecked, the Road Chip. Road Chip. Yeah, that's, those, are, those are the sequels. Uh, well, it's going to happen. What can yeah. we do? So, yeah, there's, there's that. I, I don't know. I mean, that's... A, oh, apparently, <laughs> when they were filming the Joker movie in New mm-hmm. York... <laughs> did you hear this? It's the Joaquin Phoenix one. Joaquin Phoenix one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, uh, <laughs> during the filming, they uh, they locked a bunch of extras in subway cars for three hours and told them they couldn't go to the bathroom or have any water. Why? Uh, who knows? They were trying to make a method. I, I don't know. Forcing them to be method. I, I have absolutely Did no he do it? Did Joaquin Phoenix lock them in and <laughs> it was part, part of his... Method, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's no. like when Jared Leto sent S- Sent them, like, used of, condoms and things, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, rats and condoms and yeah. his own I'm poo as pretty far as sure, based on the movie, that that had nothing to do with the role. And that was more just, he got leathered one night and thought, I'm just going to mess with people. This is just funny. Yeah. And I can get away with it. Yeah, Probably, I assume yeah. so. So, you know that Flash movie we're never going to get? Yes. Well, apparently it's been delayed again. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. No. Yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry, Ezra. <laughs> right, um, here's one for you. Um, what is the most tangible thing you can base a movie on? The, the most, sorry, tangible? Uh, most <laughs> that's tangible a thing. broad question. That's a really broad question. Well, <laughs> it would be this brick. This brick would be a tangible thing you could base a movie upon. This chair I sit upon. I was going to say ludicrous thing. Okay, Luca Guadagnino, who made Call Me By Your Name, is going to make a movie based on Blood on the Tracks, the 1975 Bob Dylan album. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been waiting for that one. Yeah, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. just going to follow some uh, some seventies seventies uh, characters as they go about their lives. Uh, the funny thing is that apparently it was pitched to him by one of the producers on Call Me by Your Name, and he said, "Yeah, I'll do it only if is it Richard Le, Le, Le Genovese, I think a, a writer sure. he respects who he'd never met. I'll do it if he writes it, and dudes apparently come out and said, "Yeah, I'll do it," and now they've written it together. So you think he kind of threw that out there as a like, "Yeah, I'll do it if he gets involved," yeah, and he's not going to call his bluff. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard about Michael B. Jordan? What is it? I, I saw something about it. What is it he's doing? So he's been cast uh, to play a new role, which is an assassin um, called Columbus, in a film uh-huh. franchise which they're calling The Silver Bear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard so about it's, this. It's I, based I, on 310 to humour. Is it? Yeah. Okay, I've seen 310 to humour. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. Okay. Or maybe it's just the guy who wrote that. Who knows? 
But it's it's something about a hitman who's so awesome that he's called the Silver Bear by the Russian underworld because, you know, they love to name that the assassins. Sounds, that does sound like something Russians would call an assassin. Yeah, and he's, he's really awesome, but one day he gets challenged to kill his own father. Okay, this sounds a bit accountanty, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, accountanty, John Wicky. It does, but to be honest, mm. love me some Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, true. Um... Do you remember when Viggo Mortensen used to be used to lead really interesting movies? Once oh, upon a time. it was a it was a small window. But it was a so. small window. Well, apparently that's going to happen again in like February in this country because uh, we're going to get Green Book, which uh, he stars in with Mahershala Ali. It's meant to be amazing, um, mm. but he's uh, going to make his directorial debut next as well. Okay, he's going to star in a movie called Falling. Right, he's going to direct mm-hmm. this movie. He's going to star in it. They always do this. Yeah. He's going to produce it. He's written it. Write the theme tune. Write the theme tune. Sing the theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> right, he's done everything. Right. The story is of a gay man who lives in California with uh, his partner, their adopted daughter, mm-hmm. and his uh, older, his older, bigoted father. His bigoted, more traditional. Would you say bigoted father comes to visit to search for a place to retire, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, brings with it his prejudices yeah yeah the thing that hooked me on this is uh the father is to be played by lance henriksen oh so yeah vicky mortz is gonna have lance henriksen as his dad and that is awesome that sounds pretty cool that does also i mean <laughs> you think about the age thing there as well I like that vigo mortensen is really not afraid to play his age no can't really get around it he- I no, I don't know actually when he wants to he can he can you know he can youth, youth, it, up. youth it up a bit yeah yeah, he can go that full Nikolai Costa Waldo when he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So every now and again he debates, should I just go back and screw with Nick for half an hour? Just like make him think he ain't safe. Mm-hmm. And he thinks, nah, it's more fun to wear cardigans. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just wear cardigans and do some oil painting. That sounds delightful. But you do look at him and just think, you make oil paintings, don't you? And do photography. All I the arties. I bet you do arts. All the arts. Yes. I don't. I eat crumpets and watch TV. I bet you wear small scarves. Oh, do you know it's when they're the thin scarves? A very thin, the thin scarf. scarves. When they're the wafer thin ham kind of yeah. level scarves. <laughs> Respect those scarves. Uh, so yeah, so that went really off topic. Uh, can I tell you the creepiest thing? Yes. I, I don't think anything came of this in the end. Right. So you know how Bohemian Rhapsody is about to come out. Yeah. And obviously there was some controversy behind the scenes with that. Yeah. Rather famously, I mean like. They lost their director, and then they sacked their director. Yes. Yeah, that director, of course, was Brian Singer. And uh, not long afterwards, which was kind of around the time that Me Too started to really fire up, uh-huh. uh, well, Brian Singer caught in that little undercurrent wave that was going on during Me Too, which was um, when the gay assault victims started to speak out, mm-hmm. and for instance, Kevin Spacey got got. Yep. Um, well, Brian Singer has had those rumours throughout his career. I was going to say, that's nothing new. Nothing new. Now, you might remember this flared up about four years ago when X-Men Days of Future Past came out. Yep. And he he had to sit out the press tour mm-hmm. because, quite frankly, there was simply no way you could put him in front of journalists and it not come up. It was yeah. too big. It was too big a deal at that point it was looking very very dubious well it's now apparently coming up again i am shocked now the thing is though we've been given some warning okay and bless him do you know know who gave us the warning who brian singer oh yeah brian singer gave us the warning that there were some allegations coming out about brian singer and we know this because he took to twitter (laughs) 
Oh, I love Twitter. God bless Twitter. Yeah. He, uh, he went to Twitter and said, right, there's an Esquire magazine article coming out. And it's gonna, you're going to hear some stuff. You're going to hear some things. You're going to read some stuff. Yeah. None of it's true. Like, you know, it's, it's all it's made up, it's Defo. all embellished. Mm. It's also really, really convenient they're only bringing this out now because my movie's out. And you think, well, yeah, because that, that's kind of the perfect time to bring it out. That's right? kind of the point, dude. You know, if you're Michael Bay, you could bring that out tomorrow. You know, if you're Spielberg, you could bring that out over lunch and it would still be the biggest story in the world. Yeah. If you're Brian Singer, you bring it out when he's got a movie out. Or It's the really cynical reality, but unfortunately that is the reality. That's it's not even unfortunate. It just is. Well, obviously it's unfortunate for him, but yeah. Well, but be a better person. So something's coming out. I don't know if the magazine has hit newsstands in like two days since I saw the, saw the story. Ooh, um, I totally want to Google it. But uh, yeah, so yeah, Brian Singer who's got... Uh, well, that's the thing, because he didn't finish the film. Dexter Fletcher finished the film. What film was it? Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. He, he didn't show up to work one day. And he, I think it was something about visiting his sick parents or something. And you're like, yeah, you tend to leave a post-it note. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then, of course, he got fired. He cleaned his offices off the Fox lot, which usually means there's no no repairing that relationship. So God, I hate even just looking at this guy. I'm Googling it. It doesn't seem to have come out yet. No, well, I think it will. But, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was an interesting one. Any positive news? Anything good? Idris Elba's going to play an evil cat. Oh! Again. Again? The Jungle Book, didn't he? Oh, duh. <laughs> All right, technicality. <laughs> well, he's going to be the villain in Cats. They're making cats? Yeah, I know you're the daughter of a musical, you know, god, but still i, I mean i, I just little cats i just assume i just assume you know all the cat songs from your household yeah but, i may have watched uh, it a few times yeah so idris elba is the villain in i don't even know who the villain is in cats please Who's tell me the villain in cats? what the hell is cats cats i mean i know it from the simpsons to be fair i've not seen it in quite a while but for, from what i remember it was just a bunch of cats and it was like oh here's here's a cat that it's a bit horny. He, he is McCavity, of... the Napoleon of crime. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now you've said his name, I can literally hear the song in my head. Yeah. Don't worry, I won't oh, sing it. Oh, oh okay. Right. This is this is a story that fascinated me, and I don't think it's going to get the attention anywhere near the attention it deserves. This story, mm-hmm. right? Um, in the first decade of this century, um, mm-hmm. right after kind of Fast and the Furious hit big, mm-hmm. for about uh, five minutes. Okay, which is to say, most of the decade, admittedly, but. We had uh, something of an emerging Jerry Bruckheimer-like producer coming up named Neil H. Moritz. Okay. Right. He was a producer on The Fast and the Furious, and he produced a lot of movies kind of like Fast and the Furious afterwards. Okay. So he did things like SWAT, for instance. Excellent. And uh, I forget which... I think it was Talk. Because there was... We oh, had, it was in, like, Talk. Not T- T-O-R-Q-U-E. Yeah, yeah, Talk. Which, starred, which was Fast and Furious on bikes. Okay. And it starred Martin Henderson and I've Monet Mazur, who you'll remember as the evil villain chick from The House Bunny. Awesome. Another one who was visibly a decade older than Nana Faris at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Her. But never got that. Also, how is she not Kelly Preston? Just figuring that out. Bad casting. But yeah, so Neil H. Moritz was, uh, he was the upper cover. And of course, you know, he's on the Fast and the Furious. His name is attached to history. Now, his role in the series... He's is, part of the family. He's part of the family, but 
unfortunately he's becoming less and less a part of the family uh, <laughs> the more stars join this series and become producers you know in that way that Vin Diesel now effectively runs the franchise mm-hmm. and The Rock is starting to get a bit of a say in things and the other producers like him slightly more than Vin Diesel it seems Shocking. Uh, right so well The Fast and Furious has got this Hobbs and Shaw spin-off coming out Oh, you of know, course, Jason I, Statham, Statham yeah, Rock, yeah. Statham Rock, which Statham I still think. Statham Rock, <gasps> which is, yeah, I love that. I still think Rock and Stath, Statham Rock, Statham Rock. You know, I I'd visit think, yeah. that place. <laughs> sure, you would. <laughs> so you'd happily plant your flag upon that on upon that place. Almost said face. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Neil Morris apparently has been squeezed out of this spin-off, oh. which even though it is a spin-off of his own of a series, he is he's on. Mm-hmm. But apparently, he's he's being removed from it and he's apparently suing them to get his name put back on it as a full producer oh um, good luck so this to is, him yeah, good luck to him um, Donald P. Belisario I believe pulled this trick years ago Donald P. Belisario was the producer of series such as JAG and NCIS oh god here was the funny thing he made JAG and then they said we want to make a spin-off they made NCIS so of course even though he produced and created Jaggy, they kind of had to involve him in the spin-off mm-hmm. they then made NCIS Los Angeles. That's a different show. Ah, and they argued, yeah, you didn't, you had nothing to do with that. We created that. Yeah, you created. We just, we just used some of those characters. It's nothing to do with you. You're not a producer. And Get then, out of here. And they sued them. I don't think he got anywhere. And just to be arseholes, they created NCIS New Orleans. That was just to spite him. That was to spite. Him. Nobody asked for yeah. it, Van. Scott Bakula. Nobody asked. Scott Bakula having a TV show was purely an act of spite. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Scott. Shout out to Scott, definitely. Um, so let's see what we've got here. Um, okay, oh, I think we said the Hitman 2 thing, didn't we? Oh, wait, John Carpenter apparently has been teasing a sequel to They Live. Now, he's John Carpenter, so I don't put much stock behind it because John Carpenter talks about pointless, never-going-to-happen sequels all the time. We let him talk. We let him talk. Um, I would love it if, if they did a sequel to They Live. Remind me what They Live is. Uh, <laughs> that, okay, They Live is the uh, is the movie in which the dude gets the sunglasses and he puts the sunglasses on and it allows him to see aliens. Oh, like, people are actually aliens. Yes. And, like, the adverts, he puts it on and the adverts change. Yeah. And they're like, serve and obey. Yeah. And, yeah, it's got that famous line, I came here to kick ass and chew gum and I'm all out of gum. You know, great, just Classic. wonderful, wonderful line of dialogue from a, from a truly tremendous film there. But uh, so again, another one that no one asked for a sequel. Mm. Well, it's like people apparently always ask for a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China, but you know, apparently Little are, Trouble in Big China. Well, we're getting that apparently with Dwayne Johnson. So yeah. shocking. <sighs> yeah. Oh, that was it. The um, the Chris Evans tweet. You know, this thing where he said, oh, "I'm all done on Avengers. This has been a wonderful like ten years. Thank you." You know. Well, apparently, yeah, apparently he'd, he'd like quit on us. Uh, well, apparently he's now walked that back. Oh, thank God. Yeah, he said, no, 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 I was just saying I was very emotional that day. I was just purely saying I'd it finished, was We cool. finished this chapter, you know, like, there's other chapters, man, calm down. So he hasn't quit. Well, he, this is what he's, he's now maintaining he hasn't quit. Okay. But this is, he, like, this is, he's, he's not said he's not quit, but he's not said he's quit. He's, this guy's keeping me he's on He's unquit notes. quitting. That's what he's done. He's quit on quitting. He's quit on quitting. He's quit on quitting his quitting, his is, is quit. the best way to say it. Okay. It, it's a very strange one, I know. Uh, right, okay, you, you love horror movies in the same period as I do. We've just mm-hmm. talked about how you, know, you and I like, uh, you know, things like uh, Halloween H2O. And yeah, the, the classics. Fact that, do you remember Wrong Turn? <gasps> I love Wrong Turn! It was so good, wasn't it? Oh, that, my God. I even had nicknames for the, you know, the... Oh, no, they have names. Yeah, but... 
Don't and they, the little they, one was called Binky. They actually have names. No, right. Binky. But you do right, you do know that became a franchise, right? No, <sighs> don't you? I know, but I've never seen them. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, Em and I at home, we we watch the sequels. Every time a new one comes out, we, we will watch them all. And they're on about 52 at this point. No, they? no, actually, they're only on six. Uh, only six? Only six. Oh, but every man. time a new sequel would come out, we'd rewatch them all. That first one is legit, you know, like Jamie's sister. Or, Hasn't one of the sequels got uh, flipping Roxanne Palette Yes, in yes, it? it has. That's the most recent one. Oh. Uh, wrong Turn 6, Last Resort. Wrong Turn. And uh, you know, she gets a bap sound the first half hour. Yeah, of course she does. Of course she does. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? Not bad. Not bad. Oh, oh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Me. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. But I, I felt I, I felt bad about it afterwards. Yeah. But I enjoyed. Having said that, though, Wrong Turn Five stars a better Roxanne. Roxanne McKee. Oh, you love Roxanne. I McKee. do, don't I? I love Roxanne McKee. Don't we do? <laughs> Roxanne McKee. She, she is my it girl. She is. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so what are we saying about Wrong Turn? Oh, it's getting remade. What? <laughs> it's getting remade and rebooted. Why? So here's where it gets weirder. Constantine Film. You know that's that European company. They they do make sort of decently budgeted films, but they uh, mm. they're, they're making this. Uh, apparently, 20th Century Fox are going to distribute it, which which means this this could feasibly come out under Disney. That's just so weird. Why would you remake that film? I have no idea. I mean, they're cheap to make, I guess. I mean, it's not like the concept is so out there and different that... But hang on, we should for anyone who hasn't seen these movies, we should explain. Yeah. These movies basically take the form of teenagers go on a road trip, car breaks down, it happens to be in the hunting zone of a family of, like, inbred cannibals. Yeah. That, that's the movie. Including Binky. Including Binky, who's the little one. The I, little one. I'm sure they have names like... like like hook tooth and things like that. Oh yeah, they do. No, Binky. But uh, we should we should look that up. But, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, wrong turn. Why does that need reboot? Um, I don't know, but I'll watch it. I, I'm, I will. I'll watch them all. I'm just I'm just disappointed we're not getting wrong turn seven. Even final resort. Even wronger return. But uh, and let's see which the wrongest s- turn. I, I, yeah, I'm sure they can get Lacey Turner to be in this one. But you know, well, they're going down the British pedigree actresses. So and I'm know. trying to think who would be the worst British. So Jennifer Ellison. <gasps> there you go. They'll get Jennifer Ellison to be in the next one. Good there you lord. Go. But uh, I don't know soap actors. To bring be bring Will Meller in. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't, because that happened when I watched a movie about Vikings and Will Mellerton oh, yeah. playing a Viking. You're like, fuck off, no. <laughs> I love me some Will Meller. Oh, man. Um, Amy Winehouse is getting a biopic. That's Another? happening. Like an actual biopic. Like okay. a narrative, walk-the-line style oh, okay. biopic. As in someone's going to play her. Someone's going to play <gasps> Like that. I, you wouldn't want to be the person tasked with that talent. Man. You know I what, can't even think. You know what I should do? Like, what? Just do a blind, a complete unknowns audition. Like, I can't see who could pull that off. This is the thing. This is the thing. There. If you find... Well, you know, there's no actress currently working that you think could do that. No. But if you did a blind audition and you got actresses in to, 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 for, to audition for something completely unrelated, to just try and feel them out for oh, the part. Because if you tell them it's an Amy Winehouse movie, they all come in doing that... With that, a beehive. That stock impression. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you, you get them to do something oh, that they me. don't realise is similar. Mm, but, yeah. I like it. Stage a fake EastEnders audition. You know, mm. that could do it. I'd definitely watch that. They, they must find some gems in EastEnders occasionally. I just... For, to imagine that for some reason they don't hire them. I can't believe that's still a thing. What? EastEnders. Yeah, I, I can't either. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll watch that though. Uh, apparently Richard Madden's going to be James Bond. Is he? 
Who cares? Rob Stark. Well, this is the thing, because he's the bodyguard now, isn't he? Uh, you know, he's all sexy, sweaty body. Right, this is the I thing. mean, he is sexy, I'll give him that. Right, uh, I met him years ago, you know. Who did you? Uh, Cinderella. Oh, of course, he <clears> was anyway, the um, prince. He was, he was Prince Charming. He was charming. He has very lovely hair. How delightful. But, but anyway, um, <clears throat> I've seen Bodyguard, most of Bodyguard, and I think he's great in it. Um, the rumour came out weeks ago that you know, he, he was with the next Bond. We didn't think anything of it because everyone who it's appears ridiculous. on telly for more than five minutes. If you're a white man under 50 and you're on telly for more than 25 minutes, you get linked to James Bond. Regardless of the fact of someone else playing it or you know it being early in their tenure, you just get linked to it. That's how yeah. it happens. Damien Lewis has it happened every other week. Ugh. Don't know why. But it still happens. Anyway, um, so this happened. There was no stock in it. Apparently now a source close to the Broccoli family is claiming that Barbara Broccoli really loves him. She thinks he's the perfect age. She can take it forward, all that stuff. Um, this did come from, was it the son? So don't put too oh, much well, stock in that. I think as long as he's not doing an American accent like that film. Which What's film? the film called where he's like the American pickpocket? Guy. Oh, do you mean Bastille Day? Ugh. Bastille, because they changed the title, didn't they, after the Bastille Day attacks? Oh, yeah. And I forget what it changed, but it had already screened and released in the UK as Bastille Day. It was horrific. Never, I had to turn it off. Never forget that Idris... Did you turn it off? I had to. So you didn't get to the end when Idris Elba sang the theme tune? <gasps> Maybe I'll have to watch it. You think you shall, my dear. Oh, I'm sorry. But... You know me, it takes a lot for me to turn something off. Because <laughs> I will watch some crap. <laughs> And my other half can attest to that. I will watch some. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, you, you know, I do get a log of everything you watch on my server. By the way, <laughs> just just FYI. Shout out to Disney Zombies. Yeah. So, can I tell you a story about Venom? Because I'll never be bored of Venom. Go on then. Right. So there's there's a point in Venom in which there's a time jump. Okay. Because you know they have to do the whole his life goes to hell. Thing. Oh yeah. I guess fire gets right. Yeah. Obviously, they do a time jump thing to make that transition more yeah. dramatic. They're just like six months later. Yeah. You know, this is like ten minutes in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the thing is, the bad guy symbiote by that point, you know, the one that's inevitably going to be the villain at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, in that perfectly matched power way that superhero movies sort of grew out of doing a while back. Except for Dogman. Except for Dogman. Although, remember, like Iron Man One. It's like yep. it's just Iron Man versus a dude and another Iron An Man. An Iron suit. Man, yeah, yeah. 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 That same thing. Like the superhero movies did this really lame thing for a while. Yeah, Hulk versus other Hulk. Yeah, yeah, Hulk versus exactly that. Yeah. You know, but uh, well, I mean, you can argue that Captain America: The Winter Soldier is a terrific movie, despite the fact that it's basically Captain America versus brainwashed Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there was a point to all this. <laughs> what was the point? What were we talking about? I can't even... Oh, Venom, plot. Venom. Right, so Venom's got, like, an evil symbiote loose on Earth from the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And it's like it basically body hops, and it gets into the body of an old... I think she's an old Vietnamese woman. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the time jump happens. Yeah. Six months later, and this, like, old Vietnamese woman turns up again. You're like, so he was just, like, hanging around as an old lady for, like, six months? Six months? Like, really? Maybe she was really exciting. Well, Maybe she was, like, the owner of a brothel. Here's where it goes fun. Um, I don't know, I think she makes noodles. Okay. I think well, she's like a noodle, a street noodle chef. They could be really awesome noodles. Yeah. Maybe Riot just really loved the noodles. But here's where he gets this weird. So someone, someone at GameSpot interviewed Ruben Fleischer this week, the director of Venom, mm-hmm. and asked him about it. And he just spun this complete narrative. And then said, well, I, I mean, maybe, maybe he's going around just killing people for fun. 
You know, maybe as an old now. Vietnamese woman. Yeah, maybe just really got good at it. And I like to imagine that he drains the life force of the person he's in. That's why he was in a younger person for a short time and then an old frail person for a long time. Hang um, on, I've yeah. dug and myself then, into then, a hole then, here. I think the journalist like hit back. Maybe he was hibernating. And Ruben Fleischer simply replied with, "Yeah, who's to know?" You. Yeah, 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 you dumbass. You. You are the person who's supposed to know. Now, this is the thing, though. I'm going to start calling him Ben Wheatley. (laughs) Finish a story, man. Right, here's the thing, though. This does happen in movies occasionally. And sometimes it is accidental. And sometimes Mm. it is. You've cut something for time. Yeah, yeah. And And it makes a hole. That's fine. It happens. Like in Iron Man 3. Which one in Iron Man 3? That, the whole operation thing where they cut out with the doctor. Oh, you mean when they literally leave a hole in Tony Stark and they never explain how they filled that? Maybe. Yeah. Because I, I really want to know why he needed like such a, such a high compression nanotech like art reactor when apparently he had a massive empty chasm in his chest left over. But uh, We'll never. Who's to say? I think he should have like, an, an Iron Man plug put in. I like to imagine that they just got some polyfiller <laughs> and just kind of... In. It's very true. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, we, we digress. There are plot holes in Iron Man. That is actually not one of them anyway. Come on. Well, no, it's an inconsistency. I wouldn't call okay, it a plot fine, hole. Because, fine. It, they, 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 because they change what it means constantly. So it's not really a plot. That's an inconsistency. Okay, fine. Yeah. Fine. But yeah, so the one that always leaps to mind for me is uh, when they rebooted Star Trek. Mm-hmm. When they rebooted Star Trek, there's that whole thing where the the, the Rom- Eric Barner's Romulans come through the time vortex or whatever, mm-hmm. and they kill Kirk's dad. Yeah, and they oh. kill Chris Hemsworth. Remember, the- yeah, Chris Hemsworth gets killed at the beginning of that yeah. movie as Kirk is being born to you know uh, House's intern on the space shuttle. Doctor oh, House, Doctor House's yeah. doctor on the the one he had the love story with on the on the space yeah. shuttle. Yeah. Right, and then of course it flashes forward to you know he's a kid briefly for two minutes, and then does the whole Beastie Boys sequence. Mm-hmm. Then he's Chris Pine, James Dean, biker boy mode. in a bar. In a bar, Harrison fording his way through not taking a punch. Yeah, what is that silly face he pulls? I don't get it at That's all. That's the Pine when face. Has, when he's punched in the face, he looks like he's just seen his wife with another man. It's just just this comic soap opera gasp every time he gets punched in the face. <laughs> anyway. That's acting. Yeah. How dare but you. the point is, between his birth and, you know, bar fighting and meeting Bruce Greenwood mm-hmm. and, and, and discovering the purpose of your life, as meeting Bruce Greenwood would do, mm-hmm. um, well, those Romulans aren't anywhere. And then, you know. They're just chilling, yeah? They just turn up then, all of a sudden, when the Enterprise launches and, like, well, now is the time for our vengeance. Ah, we'll get Spock. Ah, we'll show him what for. We'll show Vulcan what for. That's a fine, how do you do? Yeah, but we all know that they've spent those years with a Vietnamese lady making noodles. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's clearly, yeah. I mean, the ships, the ships are near there, don't they? <laughs> but uh, no, um, the, the thing is, in the, in the case of that, it was explained away. Like, what were they doing for? Like, I think it was like twenty-two years or something. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it did get explained away though when the DVD and the Blu-ray came out. And what was the explanation? Because there was a deleted scene that showed actually shortly after the events of killing Kirk's dad and blowing up the Kelvin. I think, I think it was the no, it's, it's called the Kelvin Tunnel. I think for that reason. Um, Shortly after killing Kurt Stan Blow up the Kelvin, they were attacked and then imprisoned by Klingons. Oh. Yeah, and there are actual scenes of them in a Klingon prison. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously that's in the deleted scenes, it's not in the film. It leaves a bit of a plot hole otherwise. Mm-hmm. Eh. But you know when J.J. Abrams got asked, he didn't say, meh, who knows? Who's to say? He said, look, we, we shot stuff and we cut it. It's on the DVD. Just shut up. That's a 
bit of an arsehole response, but sure. <laughs> I mean, Shut he, up. Okay, he did it. He did it in more of that sort of weird, <laughs> ambliny, gothy thing. <laughs> that sort of I'm a closet goth way that he does. Yes. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's totally that. Uh, let's see. There's more to else. love about Venom then. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. So more, more to love. Yeah. I now, really do want to see it. I, honestly. Oh. You it's sell just, it more and more to me. It's just Catwoman again, but it's not as bad as Catwoman. It's mm. the annoying part. Uh, Rookie of the Year is getting remade. I don't know why. Rookie of the Year? Yeah, Disney uh, Disney movie from the 90s. Is, it with the, is that the one with the little kid? Yeah. Wait, am I thinking Yeah, yeah, that? the little kid. And I'm not sure if it was, but he looked an awful lot like Kevin from American Pie. Yes! It was. It was Kevin from American Pie. Was it? it? was no Thomas way. Ian Nichols, Kevin from American Good Pie. Spot. Yes. So, Fox are remaking the 1993 family movie, Rookie of the Year. Do you know who directed Rookie of the Year? You will never guess this in a million years. Oh, uh, uh, no. Shockingly, no. Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern? Marv from Home Alone. What? <laughs> Yeah, Mar from Home Alone directed Rookie of the Year. I didn't even know that for this second. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's all about the kid who winds up pitching for the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, they're going to remake that. Don't and, care. You know, since they're, since they're going to be absorbed into another company soon. Uh, Why know, not? A company with a very heavily family-friendly reputation. Hmm. This might be something we see a bit more of. Maybe. Although I always kind of thought Rookie of the Year was a Disney movie. I thought it was too, actually. Yeah. But, oh, I yeah, guess so, it is now. Sorry, did I tell you about the Flash movie that was never happening? Yeah. Yeah, that got delayed again. Did I tell you why? No. Because Fantastic Beasts 3 is happening, and Warner Brothers have prioritised it so much that Ezra Miller's schedule is locked to final to Fantastic Beasts. Oh, and they have to sort of structure spoiler. the Flash around him. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah, I know, right? Like, oh, yeah, no, we know he has to be in the next. And they've turned out that it's a bigger role as well. Yes. So, like, so this base, this dude's basically the big bad. I hope bad he's of got this. a different haircut. Be the big bad of this. No, same haircut. No. But uh, he's going to be the big bad. Yeah. No, so, um, I don't know if we knew, we, we knew this was coming, but it came out the end of last week. Ryan Coogler is returning for Black Panther 2. He's going to oh. write and direct Black Panther 2, which is. Terrific news. Fine by me. Fine by me. Did yeah. you love Black Panther as well? Love it. Loved it. Yeah, my parents watched it recently for the first time. Really? And didn't like it. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. That's... I was like, I am disowning you. No, no, that, that's a middle-aged people in Yorkshire thing. Is it? Yeah, that's a middle-aged people in Yorkshire. I've, I've witnessed it. Honestly. I've witnessed it. There's a, there's a, there's a certain level of, of, of middle-aged closed-mindedness that comes with it. Well, I know that yeah. for the first, like, three quarters, my mum had no idea what was going on, to the point where she even rang me. <laughs> Fortunately, I missed that call, because I think that would have frustrated the hell out of me. I'm like, uh, how can you not understand what's going on? It's not complicated. You don't even have to have seen any other Marvel films. No. Have you, have you had that moment of, of awkward racism with it yet? That, that, this one, this one where you're with someone who you, you're like in a bar or something, you're chatting yeah. to a friend. This actually happened to me talking to a friend okay. in a bar, and I was I'd had a really long day, and uh, <laughs> and she said, was it? "I wa- tried I tried watching Black Panther, and yeah, I really enjoyed it, uh, but you know, it took me a good hour to get used because the really silly accents, <gasps> and I was just like, yeah, oh. yeah, what are you gonna do, hey?" 
Uh, Non-English people, eh? Yeah, you're just like, yeah, imagine that. People from other countries are listening. Somebody did say something similar yeah. to me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard it a few times, and you said, and I once oh or twice, once or was. twice, I have I have done the smack map, but then you think, oh, I just I don't want to have to have this this very basic conversation yeah. with another adult human. I don't remember exactly what they said, but I do remember it's my response something was about the accent, because isn't it? they're African. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't Man. know. Oh, world. Oh, sort oh. it out. Marvel conspiracy theory. <gasps> right, me. we love these Marvel conspiracy theories. Uh-huh. Right. Iron Fist's been cancelled. God. Right, okay, which well, not only really Marvel conspiracy, but anyway, okay, so Netflix <laughs> have, have cancelled. They've announced Iron Fist will be the first Marvel Netflix series to be cancelled. Well, thank God. It, they've not officially cancelled. How did they friendly. even make a season two? I don't know, but given where it ends, I kind of did want to see a third one, to be honest. Well, I haven't watched it, so... But, uh, here's the thing, though. There's now a theory that, well, actually, that they've said, they've, they've all said from the minute one of this announcement, uh-huh. cancellation, Iron Fist will be returning in other things. Don't worry. Like, Finn Jones is Iron Fist. He's going to be around. You're still yeah. going to see that what character. What was the one called with it? Was it Defenders? Where they were the all... Defenders, when they were yeah. all together, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the thing. So, the idea now is... Is he going to turn up on one of the Netflix shows? Or, since Disney are conveniently launching their own streaming service with those fancy-ass Marvel uh... shows on, will they simply wait until Luke Cage is cancelled and do Heroes for Hire? Or will they do Sisters of the Dragon? Or will they do any goddamn Iron Fist thing they want on the streaming platform? No, nobody wants to see Danny Rand ever again. I don't know, because what's the one thing that could make Danny Rand actually interesting? Maybe if he interacted with the Marvel world a bit more. I mean, to be fair, I really enjoyed Defenders. I did. Yeah, I mean, I'll be really honest about Defenders. I mean, a good good chunk of the enjoyment of Defenders comes from the fact that, you know, of the Defenders team, three quarters of them are pretty determined to beat the crap out of Danny Rand and (laughs) tell him how much he sucks. (laughs) It's pretty much the greatest thing about it. Yeah, it's the greatest thing. Every two minutes, someone just wants to smash Danny Rand. Especially when it's Luke Cage. Yeah, I just feel like there was some sort of agreement in the writer's room for that series. Like, for every line Danny Rand has, someone punches him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You last week asked me about uh, Michael Pena doing Fantasy Island. Yes, yes. Right, here's some news you're going to really love. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have another name in talks to join Fantasy Island. It's a good one. Yep. Right, I've not looked up who he's in talks to play. I just want to check. I just want to check. Come on, come on, come on. Wait for it, wait for it. No, okay. This could have been an amazing bit of casting. Oh, no. Right. Dave Batista is in <gasps> negotiations to join. Right, okay. To join Mickey Penn. Right, okay. Now... In the original version, and by the way, I did find out who did play Mr. Rourke in the 90s yeah. version. It was Malcolm McDowell. Wait, didn't you? You told me that. Did I? You did. I'm oh, okay. sure you did. Okay, it was Malcolm McDowell. Anyway, Because so. I was like, really? Ricardo Montalban, it was Malcolm McDowell. Okay. Well, Batista, I did think, was going to play uh, Mr. Rourke's assistant, whose name I can never remember, but he's a, he's a dwarf. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, if you're going to recast... Is this the one? Was it The Planes, The Planes? Yes. Is that Fantasy Island? That's Island, yes. Ah, okay. Right. I did think, though, if you're going to reinvent that for the 21st century and you put a a spin on it... Yeah, a huge giant man. Huge giant man instead of... Yeah, okay, that's... that's That works. ...playing with the expectation. And Batista, you know, especially next to Michael Pena, that would be kind of hilarious. (laughs) And nothing goes over his head. Yeah. Because he would catch it. Don't you imagine Michael Pena as being, like, four foot nine? Yes, I do. Yeah, I don't know why. 
I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he's like six foot something. He's probably, but... probably about six foot, isn't he? Yeah. But you just imagine him to be like four foot nine. Bitty bitty. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what it is. I think it's because he's so little and bouncy. He's, yeah. You know. But uh, anyway, apparently, um, so we, we have more we have more details. So um, uh, Michael Benyon, as we know, is Mr. Raw. Batiste is going to play a former guest who is on the island against his will and wants to expose Mr. Rourke. Interesting. Yes. Okay. I, I don't quite know, but... Uh, I don't want Batista to be a baddie. Right. right. Here, here's the thing, though. We have learnt more about this movie, it seems. Mm-hmm. Because the stuff in here... In, because the concept before was that new people got came every yeah. week and they got their fantasy... Come true. Come yeah. True. Right, okay. Yeah. So I was going to say delivered. That doesn't seem right. Their fantasy was delivered. Right. This has now been described as Westworld meets Cabin in the Woods. Oh, that's a bit different. Right. The idea is a group of contest winners arrive on arrive at this this you know idyllic island resort, yeah. you know, uh, to live out their greatest fantasies, only to find themselves facing their greatest nightmares. Oh, this is very different. Well, this is Sony and Blumhouse are making <gasps> this. Oh, now I'm so much more excited yeah, yeah, for it. Exactly. Wait for it because it gets more insane. Jimmy Yang is going to sorry, Jimmy O Yang is going to give me a proper name, but Jimmy Yang from Crazy Rich Asians, Silicon Valley, uh-huh. Life of the Party, you know. He, he's going to be in this as well. Uh-huh. Um, the, the only thing that kind of uh, puts me off it a little bit is it is being directed by Jeff Wadlow. Who's that? Jeff Wadlow directed Truth or Dare and Kick-Ass 2. Oh, <laughs> Truth or Dare is hilarious. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Like, even, what's the name, Violet Bean from The Flash couldn't make me enjoy that movie. I don't even know who that is. Oh, she's Jessie Quick on The Flash. Okay. Uh, right, so we have an actor from Snowfall who has been cast as the villain of Rambo, Last Blood. <sighs> uh, yes, so I, I've been looking forward to saying his name out loud. Sergio Perry... Sergio Perry Menchetta. Oh, him! He is... Uh, in fact, if I show you the picture, you might recognise him. Mm, uh, nope. He, he is uh, he's going to be a uh, South American sort of drug lord... Uh, who's running a human sex trafficking ring? Yep, they that all do. Rocky's mate's granddaughter has been caught up in. Sure. And he goes off to Mexico to to find her, and he teams up with a journalist whose like sister is also in the sex ring. Literally asleep already. <laughs> just sounds like the perfectly average thing that Stallone stars in. It there, just sounds it? like every other movie that he's done. Pretty much. Kind yeah. Of, yeah, well, just or maybe kind of every other movie is done, but they've kind of mushed them all together. Well, I mean, it sounds very close. The plot of the uh, of, of of was it Rambo, wasn't it, or John Rambo, or oh, Rambo, whatever they called the last one, whatever it was called. Right. Okay, I'll give you one one last piece of news. Go right. on then. Okay, so uh, Richard Venk, who is the uh, writer of uh, the Equalizer movies, oh yeah, uh, has revealed that uh, he he's apparently completed a script. For a reimagining of a Universal Soldier. Hey? Yeah, yeah, I know. Apparently, there is a demand for this. So. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever see Universal Soldier? It really didn't appeal to me. Right, so the idea of Universal Soldier, as far as I remember it, is I think uh, Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren were soldiers in, I think, Vietnam. And they were killed in action, and then they were resurrected in, like, 1992 as cyborgs. Sounds about right. And this is the version of a cyborg that they play. Yeah. The yep. I have I have a half a goggle on. I have a light near my eye. Yes, there, there, is a, there is a light source on a half a goggle on one half of my head, but I am wearing a prototype smartwatch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, so apparently he's doing this, uh, this reimagining. It's going to be a complete sort of rejig. 
Okay. Why not just do a different film? Yeah, it's just I don't care. It's like the whole Chucky sequel where he's like a AI toy. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that re- you just reboot. Like, yeah. you're not. It's like not that's Chucky. not Chucky. Make another one. Yeah, yeah. Just do creepy doll. Whatever. Well, I mean, that... so we've got Annabelle. We accept other creepy dolls. Can I tell you about an experience I had this week? Well, yeah, that, sure. Um, that dogman. 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 Pete Dogman. So I uh, I couldn't make the screening. Uh-huh. So I got sent uh, a screening link okay. uh, from Kizzle, which was very nice of them. And uh, I put it on my Vimeo account on my, my TV mm-hmm. and I sat down. Didn't think about the fact that it was called Dogman, did I? I sat down mm. with my dog next to me. Oh. Who, of course, hates, hates the dogs. other dogs. Yeah, hates the other dogs. She will. Uh, she does not understand that high definition is not real. So <laughs> she uh, she runs at the TV. She barks because the dog appears literally the opening frame of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the end, I had to watch it on my iPad, which is you know is one of the big massive. Uh, it's a pretty big one. Pretty I'll big be honest. IPad, yeah. And I had to angle it at an angle she couldn't see the dogs. Aww. I had to have my headphones on, sat there on my couch with with the iPad tilted at a certain angle, right in front of my head. So I'll be honest, it kind of looked like an IMAX screen. You are such a pushover when it comes to your dog. I am, I am. Um, and you know what? I still thought the movie was fantastic. So imagine how good it must be on a big screen. Oh, excellent. But, uh... Well done, Lola. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, um, well, I mean, it's, that's the end of the show for me. Oh, that's a shame. Anything you want to add? Anything, anything cinematic? I mean... Um, I'll you... try my best to see Venom before next week. Are you excited about the chilling adventures of Sabrina? Or... Actually, yeah. I am looking forward to that. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? It does. Get I mean, level I... three, that's coming. I, I couldn't get into Riverdale. Which is, like, no. the thing. But, uh, Sabrina, I'll give it a go. I saw most of Cruel Intentions on Sky Cinema the other night. Still great. Which Still bits? Great. Uh, actually, pretty late in the movie for a change. I usually see the first half. This single time was the second half. Mm, okay. And, uh, That's when the good stuff happens. Did you know that Selma Blair is, like, one of the oldest when they're actually filming that? What, in real life? Uh, yeah. Like, she was one of the oldest ones when they're actually, like, by, by several years. I do feel like she's done that thing where she looked really, really young for ages. Yeah. And then she just suddenly flipped, and it was like, oh. <laughs> Summer Blair did go. Summer Blair went for about 15 to 40 yes. overnight. Overnight. <laughs> it is very true. <laughs> it is. She's, she point. went from being able to play a 15-year-old to yeah. being able to play a 40-year-old instantaneously. Instantly. It was, it was very strange. It seemed to happen about seven or eight years ago, I want yeah. to say. But anger management. Time. I remember when I saw the trailer to Mom and Dad, and I yeah. was like, "Married to Nick Kate, Selma," and then I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, she look old now." She can convincingly be what's her name, <laughs> Kardashian's wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, you Rob know the... Card- yeah, she was Chris oh. Jenner. Chris Jenner. She she, Chris can, Jenner. she now convincingly play Chris Jenner Chris, in the nineties. She 90s. really looked like she her. really did, didn't she? It gave me all casting. sorts of uncomfortable feelings about Chris Jenner. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> But uh, I don't want to get involved with our family. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, there was a point to some of the. I, know, I was saying I will I will try and see Venom before next week. Oh, oh, okay. I'm fair hoping enough, it's enough. still in the box office <laughs> top five. I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be now. I don't think it will unless I see it that many times. Yeah. Just to maintain it, so that I can have an opinion on it. Did you see anything else this week? Even at home, I mean, I can uh, new. Do you know? I've been so busy. I don't think I have. I watch Casualty, you know. You watch Casualty. I love me some Casualty. We've been obsessing over Criminal Minds lately, so we're we're rewatching every Criminal Minds. Ah, uh, well, it's the TV season has started up for me, so I uh, I've been watching my superhero shows. Mm. Been watching my watching Arrow new stories. Been watching my Arrow, Prisoner Four Five Eight Seven. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that, and do you know what? Really, because that's a, an abandoned movie. 
Uh, yes, uh, I, rem- I remember yeah. you saying. Because it's the abandoned David Goyer movie Supermax is yeah. now the storyline. And Vinnie Jones is in it. Is he? Never knew. Didn't even know Vinnie Jones was in it. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, Supergirl's back, which is great. Linda Carter seems to have a bigger role this time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the original Wonder Woman. Um, I've not seen any of Legends of Tomorrow. I think that's like next week. And uh, The Flash is back. And it, uh, and it stars, uh, it now stars Jessica Parker Kennedy as the sort of adult daughter of Barry Allen. What? From the future. Oh, okay. Yeah, because time travel is a thing in the, in the Flash. So okay. she's 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 excess and she's trapped and in the past. Come to ba- and yeah. she'd go forward. She's come to save the future. The, yep. She's mm-hmm. come to save the future. Yep. She's played by Jessica Parker Kennedy. She Kennedy's moved really fast. <clears throat> she does move really fast. When she moved fast, she moved time. Yeah, she's yep. she's excess. Excess. Mm-hmm. Like literally X S. Yeah. 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 Um, I get it because also it's like the word excess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's and clever. It's, it's clever, isn't it? Clever, yeah, yeah. And the co- the costume yeah. very close to the comics. And yeah. Jessica Parker Kennedy is the most beautiful human I've ever seen. Oh wow. Yeah. She makes me want to be Canadian. Rude. But the girlfriend doesn't make me want to be Canadian. Like, that'd be, if she suddenly one day randomly made me want to be Canadian. I mean, I am aware we are saying this on the day they legalised weed, by the way. Well, in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> the chillest people in the world now. It's just people in the world now. Even weed. more chill. But, uh, yeah. yeah so Excellent. Like but uh, <laughs> speaking of chill, here it is. Your moment of cage. What? What, what? what do you want? What do you think? No! Yes! No, come on, this is not fair, man. Come on! Call the cop! No! Hey! No, get out of here! You've got the wrong attitude about all this, Cyrus. you got to keep positive. You see, when we have these little visits, I allow you, I permit you, I give you the opportunity to pay for all the extra police work that you create. That doesn't feel nice to contribute to society for a change. Come on, 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 you got a bad attitude, you hypocrite, what makes you think you better than me? My friend Cyrus, everybody loves Rick Santoro, 